right away. <sighs> I hate my job. That is not seven items. Wyatt, did you eat the cookie? No! Okay, come on, like, I mean, it's snow. Welcome to Rochester, buddy. Like, come on. Put that down. No! No! Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Northridge Church, man. We're honored to have you here this morning. And can everybody help me welcome our campuses here this morning? Come on, let's welcome them. Woo. Want to welcome you, Webster and Greece and Henrietta and our Rochester campus. And those of you who are watching online, I want to welcome you as well. I want to encourage you to come to our local campuses, a chance for us to get to meet you, hang out with you, maybe shake your hand and get to know you a little bit better. To all of our guests who are here this morning, man, thanks for making the brave move to come be a part of God's family in the church. And man, as you experience Northridge Church, our hope and prayer is what can feel like a crowd maybe feels like home. And it's a place where you can feel loved and cared for, build some relationships and, and be part of a family. And so thank you for being here. Everybody, whether you're joining us from one of our campuses, you're watching online, man, we want to welcome you to Northridge Church. And if you haven't been with us for the last couple weeks, we started this really practical series on the power of our mouth. That the Bible actually says that your tongue has the ability, the power to bring death or life. And so we've been having this conversation about our mouths in this series, You Kiss Your Mother With That Mouth. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about the problems that our mouth brings into our life. That, that, that our mouth often causes issues. And in weeks one and two, we talked about the first problem, the problem of criticism. That we can often be nitpickers and fault finders, and yet God has called us to be hope dealers, to build people up, not tear them down. And then in week two, we talked about the problem of lying. That we often speak the devil's language way too much where he convinces us to tell a lie, to believe a lie, and then ultimately to live a lie. And yet the Apostle Paul says we as Christians should put off, put off falsehood and, and step into truth. And we kind of centered this series around one verse, just one verse, the, the words of the Apostle Paul. And we actually challenged our church, and when I say church, I mean the people, to read this verse every single day throughout this series. To read it every single day that the Bible says that when you hide God's word in your heart, when you memorize it, the reason why you do that is so you won't sin against God. And so the, the purpose or the goal of reading this verse is that it would kind of echo in, in the halls of our heart and in our minds that when we do go to criticize people or when we do go to lie or gossip, that, that those words, Paul's word, would actually echo in our hearts and get us to stop. In fact, I've been reading this verse for a while and I actually think I got it memorized. You know, so why not close your eyes, Drew, and try to recite the verse, right? Okay, so I'm gonna close my eyes. Ephesians 4, 29. This is what Paul says. Eyes closed. You ready for this? Wow, no one is ready. I'm ready, whatever. <laughs> says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Home run, baby, come on. I'm glad I'm more excited than you are. Actually, I'm gonna ask a volunteer to come up. No, I'm just kidding. So man, those are some really challenging words though, right? Because how many times am I guilty of the opposite where I'm really good at the unwholesome talk, but building others up is, is my weakness. 
And so we've been having this conversation. We're going to continue it as we wind down this series. We're going to talk about the problem of gossip. The problem of gossip. The third problem we're going to talk about our mouths is when we choose to gossip. Have you ever played the telephone game? You know, the game where you, you have, you know, six to eight people, you line them up and you, you start a phrase. And it's amazing how much that phrase changes from one, the first person all the way to the eighth person. And if you ever want to have fun with this game, play it with toddlers, like three-year-olds. Get about like six to eight three-year-olds, put them in a line and tell the first one a phrase and, and just see how much it changes. I bet you'll have a good laugh. But yet in this old-fashioned game, we see the power of gossip. We see how much things change and the implications of those changes. And man, today we're going to talk about a topic. We're going to have a conversation of something that is really like prevalent in our culture and not in just our culture, but in the church and in our lives. It's called gossip. You know, one of my faults, you guys know this, is I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I know, booze, get it out, go ahead, whatever. Okay, wow. T tell me how you really feel. So, you know, I, I, I am a big Cowboys fan, and I'll just be vulnerable and honest. For the last 20 years, it's been really hard. It has. And if anybody can relate to me or sympathize with me, it's the people living in the Rochester Buffalo area. Because let's all just be honest in church, right? Like both of our teams really stink, okay? And they've stunk for a long time. So I had this opportunity about a year ago to, to go to a Cowboys-Falcons game in Atlanta. They just opened a brand new uh, a stadium, and I had the opportunity to go with some friends and some family to, to watch my Cowboys play. And, you know, I, I work on Sundays. It's, it's part of my job, and so I rarely get a chance to go to a game. And so I was really excited, and when I went to this game, I had two goals in mind. The first one is I wanted to meet Dak Prescott. I really think he's a great leader. I'm hoping he's going to become a better quarterback. Um, but I wanted to meet him. And specifically, the second goal is not only did I want to meet him, but I wanted to bring a Dallas Cowboys hat and get it signed by him for my adopted son, Malachi. And so I was really excited about this moment. So we get to the game and we're, we're waiting in kind of that channel where the players walk out and, and, and you kind of know when the popular ones come out because the, the crowds get kind of wild and people start pressing in to get autographs. And so Dak walks, walks out and, and everybody's kind of pushing in and he's signing autographs and signing autographs. And I'm kind of at the end of this, this tunnel waiting for him to come to me. And so he's walking and he's signing and I'm like, yo, Dak, Dak right here. Like, can you, can you sign this? Like, man, I, I know you've signed a lot of stuff, but can you sign this hat for me? And I was shocked at what he said to me. He rudely and like abruptly was like, no, leave me alone. I'm done. Get, I'm getting out of here. And I was like, what a jerk. Like, come on, man. Like, okay, I get it. I'm a grown man. I don't need your autograph. It's not going to make my day. But Dak, listen, this is for my son. He, he's adopted from China. He's just barely in our house. Like, I, I want, I, like, can you please sign it for him? Forget me. Like, there's a little boy that would love to have this. And I thought, man, that story, how could you say no to that? Like, I should have brought a picture of Malachi is what I should have done. <laughs> And I, I, I couldn't believe what he said to me. Like, I was just shocked. And I was just, I was like, I don't know if I can be a Cowboys fan anymore. You want to know what he said to me? Actually, the better question is, why do you want to know? Because all I'm doing is gossiping to you. <laughs> and I think the reason why you want to know is because of what the Bible says about gossip. Look at Proverbs chapter 18. It says this, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. 
You see, the imagery the Bible gives us about gossip is it's that, those choice morsels. You ever eat a meal that was so good that you, you saved like the last three bites for last? Like you were just waiting and longing for those bites. For me, it's, it's with macaroni and cheese. Okay, I know it's nearing towards lunchtime, so this is gonna be hard for you, but like, I love some good old-fashioned Southern comfort mac and cheese, and, and the best part of the mac and cheese are like the outside edge that is kinda like caramelized and burnt, you know, it's like, come on, like, can we just say amen in God's house? It's the choice morsels that you save those last bites for the last, and, and, and the reason why the Bible says that gossip is like the choice morsels, because we hang on the words of a gossip. We long, the reason why you were waiting for me to tell you what Dak said was because it was gossip. It caused you to lean in, it was choice morsels. And the reality is, is I went to the game, but I never asked Dak for a Prescott for an autograph. I made that up and I know you're probably never gonna believe me and anything I say, especially after last week, <laughs> too soon maybe, right? But we love gossip. We hang on every word that a gossip says. And unfortunately, it's not a good thing. Unfortunately, it's not something that honors God at all. So let's define what it is. Let's, let's put some clarity to the word gossip because I think for some of us, we all have different definitions of what gossip is. Well, gossip is simply speaking negatively about or for someone without that someone. It's when you or I choose to talk negatively about or for somebody when they're not present. It's betraying someone's confidence. It's a casual conversation about others when they're not there. It's sharing information that someone gave me when I haven't had the permission to share it. And I kind of have this like generic guideline for gossip. Because I think many of us, we try to avoid that term. Like, oh, I'm not a gossip or she's not a gossip. But Let's be honest, if it sounds like gossip, it probably is gossip. If it sounds like it, if, if it sounds like you're talking about somebody when they're not there, if, it, if you're really having a conversation where you're sharing information that you don't have privilege to share, it probably is what it is. And, and you know what, in fact, sometimes gossip, even if it doesn't sound like it, sometimes it is it. Because here's the problem. For many of us, gossip is just so hard to avoid. It is, like we, we don't wanna be gossips or we don't wanna listen to gossip, but it's so hard in life, in our culture to avoid it. Here's three reasons why. Number one, we disguise it. You see, we're really good at making our gossip look like something else other than gossip. We're really good at justifying and, and disguising or camouflaging our gossip. And you wanna know how Christians do this? They do this through a thing called prayer requests. You see, what, what often happens maybe in, in your community group, where you sit around with a group of people and here's how we do it. Here's how we gossip under the spiritual realm of praying for somebody. We say, hey, have you heard about so-and-so? I heard their marriage is really bad and we need to pray for them. Or we say like, hey, have you heard about this person? Like, uh, the, the, I hear they have an addiction and let's be honest, they're not gonna win that. Hey, have you heard about this person or that person? And what we do is we use a prayer request to go on this laundry list of problems that this person has. Because you know what we're really good at? Disguising our gossip. Making it look spiritual. Another way we do this, another way, reason why we can't avoid gossip is because we say it's true, so it's not gossip. So if it's factual, if it's accurate, if I'm telling the truth, then therefore I'm not gossiping. But here's something that I learned about the truth, and this isn't in your notes, I'd encourage you to write it down. With the truth, it says everything that we say 
should be true. That's, that's last week's message, right? We talked about lying and how we shouldn't be, speak the devil's language. So everything that comes out of our mouths as Christ followers should be accurate and should be true, but here's the caveat. So everything should be true, but not everything that is true should be said. Just because it's accurate and just because it's factual actually doesn't mean you have the permission or the authority to say it. And the Bible speaks to this. Proverbs 17, it says this, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You see, the Bible actually says, hey, foolish people can look really smart. You wanna know how? All they gotta do is be quiet. <laughs> pretty simple, right? Maybe some of us should take that advice. Maybe I should take that advice. I mean, the transition between a foolish person and a wise person in the Bible is actually just the ability to discern enough to say, wow, I probably shouldn't say this. I probably shouldn't echo these words out of my mouth. And so gossip's hard to avoid because one, we camouflage it. Two, we, we say it's true, therefore it's not gossip. And then third, just simply we're numb to it. In our culture today, gossip is our everyday language. And we talk about people so much that we don't even realize we do it. That's what numbness is. That we just have gained this ability through, through regular lives to talk about people so much that we, it doesn't even resonate with us anymore that we're gossiping because we're numb to it. And man, the one thing we have to understand about gossip is it brings pain. Gossip can do a lot of damage, and it hurts people. And I want to walk through three people that gossip hurts. The first person is the obvious person. Gossip hurts the person spoken about. Gossip will do damage to the person who is being the topic of the gossip. In fact, look what Proverbs chapter 16 says. It says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Now, I probably don't have to illustrate this for you this morning because maybe you've lived this one. Maybe you've felt the weight of someone gossiping about you, how it's devastated and ruined some relationships that you had with close friends because of just what the Bible says. It says a gossip separates, destroys close friendships. And you've been there. You felt it. Because maybe in the dating game, you liked someone, you confided in someone with that truth and they went public with it. And it broke your confidence in that person and it separated a friendship. Or maybe it was even deeper than that. Maybe you have a struggle, maybe it's with an addiction or maybe you have a struggle in your marriage and you found a close friend, a family member and you confided in them, you went to them for help and what they did was they broke your trust, they took that information, they used it against you. And we know the, the, the pain of, of being talked about when you're not there. It hurts us, it causes damage, and it separates close friendships. One thing our church is built on is, is our community groups. Man, if you're not in a community group, now's the time to jump in. Just check that box. But we long to get you outside of rows and into circles with relationships. And one thing that we hold dearly to and tightly to in our community groups is what you share in your group in that circle stays in that group. And one way you can really jack up a community group is through gossip, by sharing and breaking people's trust because it hurts the person who is spoken about. The second person is, is less obvious. Gossip hurts the listener. 
Gossip hurts the person who is actually listening to the gossip. Now, maybe you came in here this morning and you thought, hey, I don't struggle with gossip, but I know a lot of people who do and I listen to their gossip. The good news is I'm in the clear, right? Well, God doesn't give you that clearance, actually. In fact, look what the Bible says about people who listen to gossip. Proverbs 17, it says, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. Now, what's really interesting is what Proverbs the two names proverb calls the person who actually listens to the drama. The first one is a wrongdoer. It says wrongdoers, oh, they love gossip. They eagerly wait. Oh, tell, tell me what she did. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. The second word is liars. Pay close attention to slander. You see, we think we're, we're, we, we got this like clearance because we just listen to gossip, but the Bible actually says if, if you just constantly listen to gossip, you're wrong. And not only are you wrong, but it's damaging you. It's causing pain in your life. It takes me back to my teenage years when my mom would often tell me this thing. She would say, hey, Drew, you have to understand that many times, just because you're not doing something wrong, you are guilty by association. I remember as a 16-year-old boy, my, my friends would all often be going out and, and partying and drinking. And, you know, I, I didn't really want to be involved with that, but I didn't want to be the only kid that was at home when all of my friends were hanging out. And so I tried to convince my parents, like, hey, I'm, I don't want to do anything they're doing. I just want to have a place to hang out with people. And, like, all my friends are there. Like, why can't I go? And my mom and dad would always tell me, Drew, you got to understand, just because you go there, and you, 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 you're, you, you're not involved, you're still guilty by association. And it's true about gossip. Just because you're not a gossip doesn't mean you're not guilty. Because what you permit, you promote. What you allow people to say, what you, what you, what you accept, you, you really ultimately just put your stamp of acceptance on it. See, what you permit, when you allow people in your life to just gossip to you, to gossip to you, ultimately you're promoting the very things that they're saying about other people because you're guilty by association. And so gossip hurts the person spoken about, it hurts the listener, and then third, gossip hurts the speaker. Gossip hurts the person who is actually doing the gossiping. And Proverbs kind of fleshes out how that happens. It says this, when arguing with your neighbor... Don't betray another person's secret. Again, that's basically another definition for gossip. When you break trust or confidence in somebody. And when that happens, Proverbs says, others may accuse you of gossip and you will never regain your good reputation. See, what happens, the, the pain that comes into your life when you are a gossip is you break people's confidence. And people label you as a gossip. And when you are labeled a gossip, once a gossip, always a gossip. And you will never regain your tarnished reputation. That's what the Bible says. It causes damage to the person who is actually gossiping. And think about this. When someone comes and gossips to you, are you thinking like, wow, they are so good at this. I should take notes. No, you know what you're thinking? When someone comes and gossips to me or you, you know what you're thinking? We're thinking, wow, do they talk about me? like this when I'm not here? The other thing, that when, when, that's probably true, by the way. <laughs> and what that does is it causes me to be like, okay, well, I'm gonna be very careful what I say to that person. Like there's a circle and you belong way outside that circle because gossip hurts the speaker. And here's what we have to understand about gossips is when you gossip, gossip says a lot more about you than it does the person you're talking about. 
When you choose to be a gossip, it actually says more about your integrity and your character and who you actually are rather than the person you're trying to degrade or tear down. And so when we look at the pain and destruction that gossip brings, what we have to recognize is gossip hurts everyone included. It hurts the person who's doing it, it hurts the person who's listening, and it hurts the person who's not present. It, 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 gossip include, it brings damage to 100% of the people who are involved. And if that's true, why would we do it? But yet it's so prevalent in our culture today. It's so easy to do because, man, we, we, we often overlook the damage that it brings. And so the question I have this morning for all of us, including myself, is how do we win this battle? How do we overcome our, our, our gossiping lips? How do we overcome our ears that listen to gossip? And I wanna give you three things this morning. The first thing you would think would start with your mouth, but it actually starts with your ears. I think the first thing we have to do to overcome a gossip is guard your ears. Guard your ears. You see, put almost like a filter on your ears, an alarm on your ears, for when you hear gossip, it kind of sets this alarm off, like, hey, someone is gossiping. And what happens is when your ears are guarded, it causes your mouth to respond because I believe you actually can shut down gossip really fast. You see, when your ears are guarded, it causes your mouth to ask two pointed questions. When someone gossips to you, you ask them two really pointed questions. The first one, why are you telling me this? Why are you talking to me about them? The second question is, hey, have you had a chance to talk to blank about this? Have you had a chance to talk to so-and-so about this? And do you want to make a conversation get really awkward? Ask these two questions to a gossip. Because they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, you're just so spiritual and you never gossip. Like, don't talk to me. <laughs> It'll get really awkward really fast. I don't, don't say I didn't warn you. You take these questions home today with your spouse or your family. Not that they would ever gossip. Never mind. I'm sorry. But we guard our ears. We guard our ears to listen for gossip so we can stop it with pointed questions. And here's what's amazing about the Bible. It actually shows us when we have a problem with someone, what we should do. We don't have to guess. The Bible says, look what it says. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Man, that sounds fun, doesn't it? You know, if we read the verse just like this, man, we could go and point out their fault to social media, we could go out and point their fault to like their neighbors, their spouses, like we gotta go find their pastor and let them know about their faults. This is how you take the Bible out of context right here. Because look at the next line, it says, go and, tell, and point out their faults just between the two of you. I don't know about you, but that's really convicting. Because how many times in my life and in your life do we have a problem with someone and the last person we go to is them? We go and find, oh, a wise person. I'm just, you know how we justify our gossip? I just, I found somebody wise and I was seeking counsel. Okay, cool, but it's still wrong. The Bible says, go to just them. There's a progress after. If it doesn't work, Matthew 18 unrolls a plan of how you take care of that. But man, we gotta get back to guarding our ears, asking pointed questions that shut down gossip. But maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know, Drew, I don't necessarily struggle with gossiping. That's not my thing. Maybe it's lying or maybe it's criticism, but I'm not really a gossip. The problem I have is I have people in my family and I have people in my sphere of influence that just won't stop gossiping to me 
What do I do? Like, I, I've told them to stop. I've told them to leave me alone, but they just won't do it. You see, I think the, the, I think the second thing we do to stop gossip is we check our relationships. You check yours and I check mine. Because the Bible speaks to this problem that we might have if, if people won't stop gossiping in our lives. Even when we've asked them to, even when we told them to stop. See, Proverbs 20 says, a gossip betrays a confidence. So what do you do with a gossip? So avoid anyone who talks too much. Now, gentlemen, this is not your chance to use this, white, this verse against your wife today to watch football or whatever, okay? But it's in the context of gossip. When you have people in your life who consistently gossip to you, the Bible says, you know what you should do with that person? Avoid them. Avoid them. And I get there's a tension there because usually the case is the people who gossip to you the most are the people closest to you because they trust you. They feel comfortable sharing their gossip with you. And it's hard to pull back on a relationship. But I would actually suggest if you have people in your life that gossip to you regularly, maybe for a season, you just pull back on that relationship a little bit. You say, hey, I, I need a little space because man, I've asked you to stop gossiping and you just won't. So we guard our ears. That causes us to ask pointed questions. We check our relationships. And then the third, the most practical way to stop gossip is to simply close your mouth. This is the most practical thing I can give you in this entire series. When it comes to no matter what the topic is with your mouth, lying, criticizing, gossip, man, our world would change if we just choose to, cho chose to be silent a little bit more, if we just chose to watch our words, to close our mouths. And I love what Proverbs 21 says. He, the author kind of reiterates what I'm saying. He says, watch your tongue. This is what this whole series has been about. Like guarding and, and watching over your tongue because the Bible says there's power there. There's, there can be great gain and great damage. So we have to watch our tongues. Well, how do you do that? Proverbs says, well, you keep your mouth shut. So the way you watch your tongue is you keep your mouth shut. Here's what I know. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. That's really hard to do any damage when your mouth is shut and, and your tongue is, is locked in its cage. Some of you just need to lock your tongue in its cage. Can we all say that at once? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but look at the result. I, I love what Proverbs says. It says, you watch your tongue. And the way you do that is you shut your mouth. And guess what happens? It says, and you will stay out of trouble. Someone says the Bible's not relevant. Like, come on. <laughs> and I actually think if, if you took the Bible, and, and you, you, you brought this verse, I think if the author of Proverbs who, 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 who penned these words was living in our culture, I think they would expand on it a little bit because often what's true in our culture today is a lot of our words don't even come out of our mouth anymore. They come from an email or a text message or a post or a retweet. And so I think we have to t get a full picture of what, what the author is saying. It's not just a matter of shutting your mouth. It's, it's, a, it's a choice to say, I shouldn't respond to that. I shouldn't post that. I, I shouldn't send something in an email that, that is that strong. You see, watch your tongue. Watch your fingers maybe too. And, and, and keep them contained and you will stay out of trouble. Now let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about all the conflict you have in your life right now. The conflict you have with your spouse, the conflict you have with your coworkers, your boss, the conflict you have with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your neighbors, or whoever you have conflict with. I want you to think about those conflicts. 
I wonder what percentage of the conflict in your life today goes all the way back to your words. How much, how much of your conflict in your life is a result of you not doing what Proverbs 21 says? You didn't watch your tongue. You didn't watch your emails. You just, in response to anger or emotion, you said something you shouldn't have, and it created a whole bunch of conflict. Because our words truly do matter. I, I wonder what our lives would look like if today we left and we just said, you know what, I'm gonna work really hard at living out Proverbs 21. I'm gonna watch my tongue, I'm gonna watch my fingers, and I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. I'm not gonna respond quickly, and I'm gonna stay out of trouble. You know, a couple years ago, we did a series on the book of James. And we walked through verse by verse, the, the book of James. And, and one of the portions of James is, is this whole portion dedicated to the tongue, taming your tongue. And the way James actually says you tame your tongue is you become slow to speak and quick to listen. And so he's really saying the same thing Proverbs does. He's, he says, hey, you, you, the way you can control your tongue is just speak less. And in this series, I don't know if you remember this, we gave a kind of a background for your phones and your, your, your laptops and your iPads for at work or wherever you go. And I actually still have this background on my phone and, and asked two really qu pointed questions for all of us. Before we speak, you have to actually answer these two questions. The first one is, is it true? Is, is what you're going to say out of your mouth accurate? Is it factual? Is it true? But yet that question alone still doesn't give me permission to speak. Is it true? And then secondly, is it necessary? Is it really necessary that I send that email? Is it really necessary that I post this? Is it really necessary that these words come out of my mouth? Because man, we all struggle with our mouths. You name the topic, it's probably in here somewhere. And man, when it comes to lying and criticism and it comes to gossip, we all can relate because we've been there, we've done that, we've felt that sting. That's why Paul challenges us as Christians, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what will build others up. But here's the reality about this series. Is, you know, we, we titled this series, You Kiss Your Mother With That Mouth. And, and for the last three weeks, we've been talking about the problem with your mouth but really it's just been a disguise because the problem isn't actually with my mouth or your mouth because the mouth is just a reflection or a mirror of a different location. You see, the problem is not your big fat mouth, it's your big fat broken heart. You see, what we have to understand today is, is the mouth is just a symptom of a greater problem that we all have. In fact, Luke chapter six, it says this about your mouth. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's scary to me because my mouth says a lot of things that I wish weren't in my heart. But yet your mouth speaks and what comes out of your mouth derives from your heart because the mouth is a reflection of what's seeping inside of your broken heart. In fact, this is why Proverbs four says, above anything else, Guard your heart, watch over your heart, protect your heart, why? Because everything you are and everything you do and everything that you say flows right from there. You see, in this series, we talked about our mouth, but if we truly wanna see God change our mouth, we gotta start with our hearts. And our hearts are broken, they are. In fact, Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Why is that? Why is my heart broken and your heart broken? 
It's because of one word, sin. You see, because of Adam and Eve's decision, we are all born as sinners. And what that means is my heart, because of sin, is in rebellion to God. Everything that God wants me to do, I want to do the opposite because my heart is broken. And the only way you fix your broken heart is nothing that you can do. You can't achieve it on your own, but it's only through God sending his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to be resurrected three days later. Why? So he could fix my heart and your heart. So that, so that God could take my heart and put it back into a right standing with God, that if I would choose to believe in him and surrender to him, that he would begin the process of fixing my heart, which would change my mouth. In fact, look, look at how the mouth and the heart works when it comes to the gospel. Romans 10, it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved means God will repair your heart. For it is written that your heart, so, so for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. And so here this morning, we have to recognize that if we want to fix our mouths, we got to repair our hearts, and we can't do that. Only God can. Only God can change a heart. And so if you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus and what he accomplished for you, that is your first step. It's saying, God, man, I, I believe in what you did. I, I confess it with my mouth, but then I believe it fully with my heart. Man, if you haven't made that decision today, I'd encourage you to ask your questions, to talk to someone, your campus pastor, the person who invited you. Don't leave here today because if you don't fix your heart, nothing will really change about you. But yet for those of you who have made that decision as Christians, You've said yes to Jesus with your heart and your mouth. The same thing that saved you from your sin is the same thing that will change you in the midst of your sin. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when you say yes to Jesus, part of the repair process is God sends you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And guess what the Holy Spirit produces? It's called the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. And yet I wonder if those things are coming out of your mouth. You see... The gospel as Christians will begin to repair my heart so that I'm speaking what's producing by the spirit in my heart. And so today, I, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you need to confess Jesus as Lord and believe it in your heart. Maybe that's the first step to fixing your mouth problem. Or maybe today you actually need to allow the spirit of God who lives inside of you to produce the, the fruits of the spirit in you and allow them to flow out of your mouth. But here's what I do know. Your mouth will never change until you fix your heart. And so if we attack our heart with the gospel of Jesus Christ, our mouth will fall in line. Will you pray with me? God, help us in the journey. Man, I, I recognize that, man, my mouth gets me into trouble way too much. So many times I, I, I don't even think before I speak. And God, I pray today in my life and so many people's lives that you would repair our hearts, God, that are deceitful, that are wicked, and that through the gospel that you gave your son to die for us, to be resurrected. And if we would just confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, that would begin the process of changing who we are and how we speak. And so God, whether we believe in God or not, may we attack the heart today and may it change the way we speak. In Jesus' name, amen.